morning. Everybody has to turn around. Yeah, I think it's on. Hello. Testing. Are we here? Can you hear me? I don't know. I'll just, I'll just, yeah. <laughs> I'm already up there. You don't see me? All right. Oh, we are starting a new series on making a difference, uh, looking at basically the uh, study of the early uh, original church. Uh, so go ahead and turn your Bibles to Acts 2.42. Acts 2.42. Make sure I'm there. All right. I, I told Jackson I had to hurry up and get my coffee and my donut, but I didn't want to eat it. But I knew if I waited... It wasn't going to be there until afterwards, so I had to make sure I grabbed it and put it back there. Because usually I get to, I can drink my coffee while I'm in Sunday school, but I can't really do that here when I'm teaching it. All right, so we're, we're going to look at our first lesson about relationships make a difference. Uh, relationships are really what life is all about. Uh, just like at the beginning uh, when God created Adam, he created Eve because he saw that it was not good that he was by himself. Uh, just like uh, when we're you know, going to work uh, or here at church, relationships are very important. Uh, when you go to a church and you're brand new at that church, uh, when you, if you can't find anybody that you know, would smile at you and say hi or you know, be nice to you, you're kind of wondering, all right, when is this over so I can look at for another church? Because I'm going to find a place where I can not necessarily fit in, but where people welcome me. And, and honestly, as a church, that should be the one place out of everywhere else in the world that people can find relationships that are beneficial, that are, are helpful for them in their spiritual life. Uh, but Pastor Brothers always used to say that he loves being in the ministry if it just weren't for the people. And sadly, that's the way a lot of times it is. It, it, it'd be great to, you know, I, I love working at this company, but if it wasn't for those people that I had to deal with, or, or I like working on these, you know, going to different people's homes and working on all these different appliances, but some of those people you really just wish, could you just stay in your room or, you know, go to another room while I work on your thing? So people can be uh, joyful, it can be a really great thing, or it can make really stress, make you stressed, make you uh, ruin your day, really. Uh, but here at the church, your family here should not be a part of that issue, should, should never make problems. In fact, being a part of a local church allows you to find genuine friends. Uh, this is where you should have your closest friends, uh, specifically here, but through your life growing up at church. I know my best friends were always ones that I had in Sunday school growing up with, the ones that I met when I was at church. Those were my best friends. Uh, so we, we should have that ability to find great uh, friendships, accountability through others here at church. Uh, enables you to bear one another's burdens uh, w with the whole situation with JJ and Miss Barbara. This whole thing, to know that you have a family that is, yes, I'm no doctor. Brian's not a doctor. 
Don't ask us to try to help you with, you know, your ailment. But you know what we can do and what, who is the great physician? We can go to that throne room on your behalf. As a family, we can bring one another's burdens to the Lord, to, to the person that can make a difference versus me not really being able to make a difference on my own. That's what the church family should be. It's a place for spiritual protection and godly leaders to be able to help lead us in our life. The local church provides us with benefits found. You can't find it anywhere else in the world. You, go, you talk about those that you work with. They might be good friends, uh, but when push comes to shove and you're sick, they might say, hey, are you doing all right? But I can tell you, your boss is asking that because he wants to know whether you're going to be back to work or how soon you'll be back to work. When, when you go through things in life, the church family should be where uh, the most, I hate to say support group, but the most uh, a needful support, the most uh, bearing, the most lifting up people should be there. And, and in the early church, you're there in Acts 2, is where we see the first characteristics of what those believers were, what they showed, what they, what they showed to each other, and by doing so, what it showed to the rest of the world. Uh, pastor, I think it was Pastor, preached a message on changing the world. Those men changed the known world. Do you think that would have happened if they would have bickered and argued and been distant and didn't want to deal with each other? No. The reason why, and I'm not getting ahead, the reason why they were able to change the world was because the outside world looked at them and saw something that they wanted. And sadly, today's churches, you don't see that. You have somebody come in and, they won't talk to these people, and these people won't talk to those people because they're mad at them, and they're like, what's the difference between this and work? I go to work, and there's bickering and arguing and stuff. Why? I don't want what's here. There's nothing special here. But the, the original, the, the early church members showed what friendship, what relationships mean when it's in Christ and how that can benefit others. So we're going to look at three characteristics of a healthy relationship based off of this early church. Let's pray, and we'll get into the lesson. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for being able to be here in your house, Lord. It's a privilege that you give us breath, give us health to be able to be in your house, and we thank you for that. Lord, I pray that you be with each and every lesson that's going on this morning, and the kids, and the teens, and uh, here in, in the adult Sunday school, I pray that we, we take it to heart, we, we make changes where changes need med, that we don't leave the same way that we came in. Lord, I pray that your name be glorified and lifted up through everything that happens here today. In your name I ask, amen. Steadfast in character. That's our first characteristic, is, is the steadfast. Look there in verse, I said 42. 42, Acts 2, 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. You see, healthy relationships develop as we continue steadfastly. Uh, 
you can't really have a relationship with somebody that's not there. Uh, you might know them, you might be an acquaintance of them, but when they aren't with you, aren't around you, when they leave, there, there's not that ability to keep up. T- uh, I mean, you, you think of your parents, when, if you moved away. I, I moved down here from Ohio. I don't see my parents often. And, and without effort, without putting forth any kind of talking to them or calling them, that relationship is very difficult to keep going. Yes, it's your mom and dad, but at the same time, it's, you know, I hate to say out of sight, out of mind, but you you go through your life and all of a sudden it's been three weeks and you haven't even talked to somebody. That's not steadfastness. That's not keeping up and keeping with that kind of relationship. So one of the things with steadfastness is you've got to have some commitments as a group in church. When you join as a member, there, there's some things that you join into. You, when you join this church, you join and say, I believe and agree with what you guys are talking about with your doctrine. I, I agree with how you take the stand for what the Word of God says. I believe that you and I are in agreement in who God is, who Jesus is. And you have to have those things for you to really join, yes, but to to have a relationship. When you find somebody that likes what you like, it's very easy to become a friend to them because you have something in common. And and here in church, we should have those things in common with each other. And the first one is the commitment to God's word. Verse 42 says there that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. pastor says that doctrine is the glue that holds the church together. If you didn't have doctrine, kind of like these non-denominational churches, they're just here. And if somebody gets mad, they leave. If somebody just decides, you know what, that's a lot farther of a drive, I don't really feel like driving that far, I'll go to this church. There's nothing there to hold them. If, If there's no convictions, no doctrine, no standard that you're going to that church because of a certain thing for a certain reason, then what's to keep you there? And that's what we see here, just like Amos 3.3 talks about if can two walk together if they aren't the same? we, We can't be together in the same body if if one person believes that Jesus was God's son, and the other person believes that Satan was God's son. Well, you, you, you've got two different things that, that they're, we got very conflicting situations here. And how, how, how can two walk in agreement? Just like, all right, we, our, our stand is that the King James Version is the word of God. And the other ones are, are perversions is a nice, easy way of saying it. Why? Well, because I, this Bible says a lot of verses on God's and Jesus' divinity and his, uh, well, divinity, who God, who Jesus was. And yet you have another Bible that just says that he's a God. Well, that's a big difference. Your Bible says that Jesus was a God and mine says that he is God. Two, two, two wrongs don't make a right, and two 
two things, one, one can only be true. You can't have one true and yours be true too. Well, no, two, they both have to be in agreement, and that's the same way that we see here in Acts, is they, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' con- in the apostles' doctrine. It was because they knew and believed the same thing that they got together, that they were able to create what we call the first church. Uh, and if you don't have that, it's very difficult to get together. Uh, you, Thanksgiving, uh, you go to Thanksgiving and get your family together. There's always that one uncle that you're like, man, I hope he doesn't show up. Because he either believes religion-wise different or politically different, and he's not somebody that's just like, okay, you like what you like, I like what I like, and that we just you know, leave it there. No, he's the uncle that wants to talk to you about it and try to change your opinion, even though neither are you going to change any opinion you have, but you still come together, and it's like, man, can he just leave? Are you done eating? Are you done? Can... We're done. All right, we're leaving kind of thing. Same thing with church. Uh, Job says in 23.12, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than the, my necessary food. If we don't have the, the preeminence of God's word in our heart and in our life, it's very difficult to go any further. If this isn't what says it and settles it, then what are we basing everything off of? That, and again, not to harp on, on non-denominational, but they get up and they talk about how you're feeling. You know, I, I'm feeling like, uh, you know, it's, it's okay to do such and such because it just it makes you feel okay. You don't feel bad about doing it. Well, I think it was Bob Jones says, feelings come and feelings go, but God's word stands forever. If it's not based on this, and you're not all in agreement with this, then you can't walk together. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate upon therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So they, they were committed to God's word, but they were committed to getting together. Uh, verse 42, let's fit, and they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in breaking of bread and in prayers. Hebrews 10.25, we know the verse, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. How many people have, quote-unquote, friends that you kind of go, well, I, I can't ask them for anything. I can't ask them to watch the dog. I can't ask them to do anything because they will always have an excuse. Or they just won't show up. They'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll be there. And then you're like, all right, we got to go. We... Where's he at? Why is he not here yet? And you got to call him because he forgot. Or, oh, I had something come up. If you're not dependable, how likely are you to call on that person later? And as a church family, when, when you go through something and you say, hey, Brother Nitton, could you please pray for me for this? You better have somebody that you're going to ask that you can confidently ask that and know that they're going to do that. Because if, if we have a church family that people say, yeah, I'll pray for you. 
oh, I'm praying for you. And that's all they're doing is saying it and not doing anything about it. What's the point? If you don't have a church family that you can depend on, again, what's the point of having them as a family or as friends? Your, your friends and family should be somebody that you can depend on. And honestly, Solomon says, addresses it this way. In Proverbs 25, 19, he says, Confidence in an unfaithful man in a time of trouble is like a broken tooth, Nitin. You know what that is like. A broken tooth and a foot out of joint. Talk about the two things that most people say the most painful thing that they have to deal with and most pain and annoyance. Toothache. Broken tooth. Something that just, you, no matter if you lay down, if you stand up, if you're this side, if you're that side, if you drink something cold, if you drink something hot, if you eat something, it's just throbbing pain. Luckily, I've never had to deal with that, so I'm just going off of other people's misery on that one. But a broken tooth or a foot out of joint. I've dislocated some shoulders. I've dislocated my knee. That's quite painful. Confidence in an unfaithful man in a time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. That's saying if, if I go to Brian and say, hey, Listen, I'm struggling with whatever. Can you pray for me? And I don't have any confidence in that. It's like I have a broken tooth or my shoulder's dislocated. That, that's, that's not just like a, you know, it'd be a, a good thing if he could pray or, you know, it'd be nice if he would just, you know, do what I asked him to do or do what he said he was going to do. No, it's broken tooth and foot out of joint. It, God takes it serious. Just like the Bible talk, God says, don't make a vow to me if you ain't going to keep it. It'd be better if you didn't make the vow than if you don't keep the vow. So our th uh, the other commitment is to godly conduit. Conduct. Blech. Conduit. I can't even read words. Godly conduct. If you're coming to church, and uh, a lot of times people talk about relationship, you know, when you first meet somebody, you say, hi, my name is, and that's about all the information you're going to give them. And then as you, as you grow to know them and, and to, to confide more into them, uh, in the world, they, they talk about, okay, once you become comfortable with somebody, then you can start talking about dirty jokes, and then you can start talking about things that aren't good. But biblically, the Bible says, in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, be not deceived. Evil communication corrupt good manners. Don't see your joking and your, your essentially unholy talks with your fellow believer as something that we're getting closer to each other. As, as a Christian and as a, a family, we should be working on trying to keep each other in line. Not because we're trying to just make you better or make me better. The Bible says, iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his, fan, of his friend. A good friend is somebody that says, hey, listen, I care about you. The way you're going, you need to get back on the straight and narrow. The Bible says the wounds of a friend are better than Proverbs. 
Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. I'd rather have somebody tell me, hey, listen, you're going down the wrong path. It might hurt. It might feel embarrassing. But in the end, I'm going to thank them. That's what a true friend, and that's how friendships and that's how relationships in the church should be. I shouldn't get offended if somebody says, hey, you're listening to music that you shouldn't be listening to. And I get offended and mad and I leave. Well, that person said it not because they wanted to pick on you or do something to you. They did it because they want to see you grow closer to God. And they want to see you do what's right and they want to help you. They don't do it to tear you down. And that's the way it should be done. We shouldn't be going around and saying, hey, listen, you're an evil sinner and get out of here. No. What good is it throwing somebody out of church to go to a church that believes or does whatever they're fine with? We need to keep them here if we want to see them grow and we want to see them mature in their Christian faith. And that's what these apostles and these, these early Christians did. They, they, they saw problems and they helped each other. There's a difference between seeing a problem and kicking it versus seeing a problem and helping fix it. And that's what the, the first early church was all about. The second thing that they, they were important, something that we can learn from, is the sensitivity to others. Uh, verse, go down to verse 44. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. We don't really understand this. Uh, we, we, don't, we don't see this here in America, but, and the only thing that we can, uh, a good example I can give you is if we were over in Yemen and a son converts from Muslim, well, let's, let's say a, a husband and wife that's a doctor or has a business there in Yemen converts to Christianity from being a Muslim. Here in America, it's just whatever. When you're, if, we'll just say your dentist changes from being a Muslim to being a Christian. He might notice the difference, but his practice isn't going to suffer. His practice doesn't change anything. But these early Christians found themselves in the total opposite. They had businesses that when they found out they weren't Jews and they weren't going to temple and they weren't Jewish anymore, they were still Jews but by nationality, but religious-wise they had changed, they were shunned. The, these tent makers, these carpenters, these fishermen were ostracized. No more work. You're done. I, I'm, nobody's buying from you. I think we'd have a lot less Christians, quote-unquote, today if that was the case. If you had to worry about my livelihood based on my religion and what I believed. But these early Christians said it doesn't matter. I'm going to follow what Christ has said and what Christ had done. And because of that, the other, the other Christians that all had to deal with the same thing realized we to keep this together, to keep this going, to keep you from starving to death, we all got to pitch in together. We got we to gotta be sensitive to others' needs. And honestly, in the church, that should be where it is. That should be where you should easily find hey, I have this problem, and you should have a group of people that are there willing to help you financially, physically, prayerfully, in whatever aspect they can. We are to be gracious toward one another. Peter 
Paul, John, and through many of their Gospels, 30 times they, boast, they say, grace to you. That wasn't just because they, they felt like saying it. They, they wanted to make a point that they desired the very best for each and every one of the people that they met. They, they wanted the best for each and every one of the church family members that they had. And that's how it should be here. You should want the best for what Brian... Give me a second. You should, be, you should want Brian to have the very best that he can. Not so he can just get up and be fancy and, and drive something fancy or have a big house, but because you care about him. And that should go for all of us. You should care about one another to the point where somebody needs some wood, we got somebody that's going to come bring them some wood. Yeah. You, you need some, a roof put on, we go and put a roof on. JJ's going to need his bathroom changed. You know where he should be able to come to first? is the church family. He shouldn't have to go around and find and beg people. We should be ready to go. When do you need it? Brother Eric and, and Brother Chris were helping with the shed. If you would have asked them, how many sheds have you built? How many sheds have you built? One. But you, it, it wasn't the fact of, I'm, I'm the the biggest architect, I know exactly how everything, all the trusses are supposed to be set and laid and how to get everything. No, I'm just willing to give whatever I have available to help. That's what this church should be. That's what the early church was all about. Paul, in to the Galatians 6, 2, he said, Bear ye one another's burden, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Verse 10, And as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are the household of faith. Now, the world sees Christians as they should be goody-goody two-shoes. We, we should be doing good. And we should. But where it should be the best is to those here in this family, to those here in the house of God. The gracious behavior stands in contrast to what the world does. Like I said, if you've got to go to the world to get help before you're able to come to the church, then something's wrong. Either, either the church is wrong or the person's thinking hasn't been changed to where they should go first. Granted, you should pray first. I'll put that out there. God's, God should be the first person that you go and talk to. But the next people that you go and talk to should be your church family. Why did that make a difference? Because they weren't just generous towards themselves, they were generous towards others. We're, we're not, we're not, this wasn't the communal hippie movement starting. Uh, this wasn't, we, we sold everything and came and bought a house and we all just lived together. No, that, that wasn't what this is all about. This was about meeting every man's need as every man had needed. They did it for a, not because they just wanted to live together. They did it because they had to. Because they wanted to see Brother Bill not starve to death. 
So they sold their plot of land to be able to help them buy food. They did it to be gracious toward one another. And doing that, you know who else saw it? All those in the community that wouldn't, buy, wouldn't have Bill come and work on their house anymore. That ostracized him and said, I'm not having him come because he's a Christian. All of a sudden they see Brother Bill walking down the street, not, not starving to death, happy, having a, a, looks better than he was before. That made a difference. And it was because of the family of the body of believers helping one another that they had that influence outside of themselves. First John turn turn it well yeah turn to first John three seventeen. I always, uh, you know, tax time's coming up, and you always, you see that number on the piece of paper that says you're going to get X amount of dollars, and you're like, whoo yay, what am I going to do with this? And I can tell you just about every single time, there's something that breaks. Car, something goes wrong, and, and it dies, or, or somebody in the church has a financial issue, and so, so God leads you towards giving money to them, and you feel like, man. That number just turned into nothing. And I had all these plans I was going to put an addition on or I was going to do this. But I've, I've learned that your blessing wasn't robbed. It was called a need provided for. God gave you that. God gave you the number. God gave you whatever he does give you. Not just riches, but anything. But he doesn't give it to you just for you to hold on. You're there, 1 John 3, 17. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Go a little further, uh, well, back. James 2, 15. James 2, 15. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto him, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled. Well, that sounds good. That sounds like the, the, the good Samaritan. Oh, man, you look pretty bad there. I hope you feel better. It doesn't stop there. Verse 16, Notwithstanding, ye give him not these things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? We talked about if somebody says, Hey, Pray for me, and you say, I'll pray for you. And you don't? That's, that's one of the things it's talking about here. If, if you see some, some issue or something, and it's specific, if, if somebody is naked and you say, oh, I'm going to pray that you get warm and, you, and you, you get food and everything, and you have a cloak and food and you don't give it to them, the Bible says, what doth it profit? Why, why, you, your words mean nothing until the actions are behind it. When you're generous, you make a difference. And the last thing, they were singleness in heart. Verse 20, uh, turn back to Acts 2, 46. I went too far. Acts 2, 46. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking of bread, 
from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. These verses paint a picture of, of people that were together in all manners. They were, they were together in what God's word said. Apostles' doctrine, they didn't have God's word specifically, this one. They were singleness of heart. They, they were unified for one purpose and one purpose alone. And that was to spread the gospel and to, to, to tell others what they had found themselves. See, a unity requires constant effort. Uh, uh, it doesn't happen accidentally. Don't accidentally find somebody that you guys are believe exactly the same thing and everything's fine. And as long as you, 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 don't, you don't even need to talk to them. You, you don't need to do anything. You don't need to even be around each other. You guys are best friends for life. It doesn't happen that way. In a marriage, it, it doesn't happen that way either. You have to work on stuff. You have to work on keeping together. Sometimes there's times where I know this is a shock, but I'm not all that lovable. Does that mean I just get kicked out on the street? Eh, today, I don't feel like being married to you. She's gracious enough to let me stay. You have to work on things. Uh, maintaining unity requires effort, humbleness, and the biggest one that I think is thick skin. Listen, and this, this isn't part of this. If you get offended by anything that pastor says, and he will, I promise, he didn't pay me to say it. I don't think he put anything in here. Nope, he didn't pay me. If you get upset to the point of, man, I'm leaving this church. He said something I don't agree with. If it's out of this book, grow some skin. Grow some skin. Because if it's from the word of God, it's not pastor saying it. Pastor is God's messenger. Just like when you go door knocking and you knock on the door and you tell them about how they can know if for sure that they're going to heaven. We'll just say they're a Catholic and they don't agree with anything you say. And they get mad at me because I'm sharing the gospel with them. It's not me. I'm just the messenger trying to tell them what God said. But we're fine with that, but we're not fine with when the pastor gets up and says something from the Word of God that we really don't like. Mm. I got to love somebody all the time? That person? I don't know. I mean, I'll be nice and cordial to them, but love them? Or forgiveness? You don't know what they did to me. Don't forget what God did for you. Forgiveness should be, for a Christian, should be the easiest thing to do. Because if we keep in our mind what God forgave us for and what he went through for us, when someone does, I don't even care if they, they drove your truck off into the, the river and blew it up. What that is versus what we did to Christ and what we continue to do, forgiveness should be such an easy thing. And it seems to be that's the hardest thing that 
a church deals with. Why, do, why does churches split? Because somebody won't forgive somebody else, and then they get their people, and they get their people, and then it turns into a feud like we're the Hatchet and McCoys. Forgiveness in the church should be the easiest, simplest thing because we're all should, if you're a Christian, have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And if you're led by the Holy Spirit, forgiveness should be easy. All right, back to the lesson. That was free. Romans 14, 19 says, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things, which, things wherewith one may edify one another. Unity requires us to have grace towards one another. Look, I'm human, just like everybody else. And if, if Brother Craig got mad at me every time he went home and listened to the live stream and the sound wasn't loud enough, you got to have grace. Sometimes I just don't know what I'm doing. But that's okay. God's grace is sufficient for us, so we should be able to have some grace for others. And we should be able to give it abundantly. It requires help and, and, and effort, but it, it, the unity results in effective witnessing. Look, if, if Brother Nitten and I went knocking on doors yesterday, and I'm mad at him because I don't even know something. He ran into my car. I don't know. There's nothing to get mad at Nitten. He's, he's one of those people that it would be very difficult to be mad at. Brian, here we go. That's easier. No, no. But if my partner that I'm going to knocking on doors with, I'm, I've got a grudge with, I can guarantee you one thing. Either nobody will be home, nobody will answer, or you won't find any fruit from it. Because God's not in it. And if you're going and knocking on doors and talking to people and giving them the gospel or you're handing out flyers or you're doing any ministry in general, doing the buses, if, if Brother Eric and Brother Brian all of a sudden get oh, mad about something and he won't, he won't unlock the van door for Brian to get in the van when they're going to go pick up kids, I can tell you that ministry is going to be unprofitable. If we're not having a unity in the church, in our ministries... What are you doing? If you're going and knocking on doors with the wrong heart, without God's power, you're doing it for no reason. You might as well stay home. The effort you're putting in means nothing. That's why unity is so important in this church. We need one another. You and I need each other. That's why we're here. That's why God brought each and every one of us to this church. Because each and every one of us need each other. Something down the road may happen that you need somebody to fix your plumbing. Or, hey, guess what? We got somebody that's able to do that. You need somebody that needs able to fix a vehicle or knows a lot about vehicle. We got men in here that do that, that know about that. You need somebody to change a wiper blade. Nitten knows how to do it now. You, you need somebody to cook food. You need somebody to do a good craft. Michelle is probably the best craft maker I've ever seen. The, the stuff she does for these, this moms and tots stuff, it, it looks exactly like the picture that you send her. Say, hey, could you make this thing? And you get it, and you're like, did you buy it? Because it looks exactly like she, 
we have, that's what the point of a body of believers in a church is. Each member is a piece of the body, and it's there for a reason. So that's what we're going to be looking at these 13 weeks, is what the early church used together to make a difference. Because if we're not together in here, we're useless out there. So we got to start here first to make a difference in our lives so we can make a difference in others. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, Two are better than one because they have good, a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe unto him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Without your brothers and sisters in Christ, you're flapping in the water. If Peter, when he walked on water and started to sink, if Jesus wasn't there to grab him and pick him up, I don't know, I figured he's a good swimmer, he's a fisherman, but he might have drowned. That's the point of a body of a believer, to be working and to be helping each other. Spiritually, physically, financially, we're supposed to be with each other through this thing. It's an army. And an army that bickers with each other or pokes each other in the back with the swords isn't much good against the enemy. So let's, let's work and make sure... I'm not saying we have an issue. Time out. Just saying. I'm not, I'm not saying this side's against this side or something. Luckily, in a small church, that, is, that can be the death of the church. Very simply, easily done. You have half of the membership leave all of a sudden, oh boy, now what? Now, now the idea of trying to get out in the, the neighborhood and community to be effective turns into you're just trying to keep your head above water. So not that we have something, but we, we need to make sure it doesn't get that way. But we're going to, like I said, look at the early church and see how we can make a difference for us in this church, and for those around in this community. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for uh, being able to uh, come before your throne. Uh, Lord, we, we don't take that lightly, Lord. And I do pray that you be with this next service, uh, be with Pastor, that you give him exactly what uh, we need. I pray that you fill him with the Holy Spirit and uh, that each and every one of us opens our hearts to be exactly what we need to have. Uh, Lord, that we accept what your word says and that we change the things that need changed. Lord, I pray that you uh, continue to keep a unity here at this church. Uh, Lord, that we're focused on you, uh, not on, on what I have and what other people have and uh, any issues, Lord, but we focus on what's important, and that's you and getting your gospel out so we can see people get saved. Uh, Lord, that's the point. And I pray that we don't lose that focus and and worry about the storms around us that we start sinking. God, I pray that you be pleased and be blessed with what goes on today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.